Excuse me, class. 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 Shut up! Welcome back, fellow educators, parents, and students, and anyone else that is curious about the chaos and charm of the education world. You're stepping into the classroom of Edgerand, and I'm your host, David, the educator with a penchant for unpacking the complexities of the education world. Today, we're diving deep into my thoughts on just exactly where education starts. Get ready, we're about to dissect this issue and my unfiltered thoughts might just raise a few eyebrows. In this episode, we'll dive into a Reddit post that caught my eye, I'll give my thoughts on a parent's role in educating their child, and maybe a little update on the recent training debacle. If I get too negative, I'll throw in an uplifting story. So buckle up for an educational odyssey as we bumble through the clusterfuck of educational discourse and unveil valuable insights. I'll do my best to separate the rhetoric from reality, promises from practices, and of course indulge in a good old-fashioned rant. Class is in session, and today's subject is parenting. I've recently joined Reddit, and strolling through the various teaching-related threads, it's like watching a train wreck in slow motion. Spending just a few minutes reading the experiences of educators around the country is enough to dishearten almost anybody. For example, there's this thread I, I saw that was titled, Authority Undermined by Admin. This is nothing new. Um, this this title of, of, of the thread is very common, and it's a very common theme in, in a lot of my discussions with educators. Uh, it was posted by a user by the name of Inevitable Welder 83 Now, I'm going to read it to you before I share my thoughts, but here we go. I had a student yell at me in front of the class that she didn't want to do the assignment I had given because she hated that type of assignment. I've seen this kid's mom cuss out everyone in the office. I took her to the AP, I'm assuming this was assistant principal, that was in my hallway. AP got mad. She was about to leave the building for a meeting at the board. She brought the student back to class after talking to her. All the students saw her yell at me and then come back within admin five minutes later. AP said, give her an alternative assignment. Mind blown. A week later, the AP pulled me aside and gave me a talking to for having a bad attitude with her. That was my last year in public education. So to boil this whole situation down, we have a student who disrespects their teacher. The teacher, deeming that this is something that's appropriate for an admin to assist with, approaches them. The administration reaffirms the student's negative behavior, which ensures that it's going to continue. And not just continue, but spread like wildfire through the student population. And then harasses said educator for doing their damn job. Why do we insist as a society, as school districts, in hiring these absolute idiots to be administrators? I can't say for sure if this is the case or not, but I am willing to bet that this administrator has the following characteristics. One, has less than 10 years in the classroom setting, probably only you know three to six years, long enough to have a very, very basic understanding of teaching, but not long enough to be an expert by any stretch of the imagination. Two, 
They know the textbook answers to interview questions that makes them sound really good, really intelligent, and just like they're an expert in what they're doing. It contains all the right acronyms and educational lingo. Three, they have a philosophy of education that heavily relies on being pals or friends with students. Four, is a complete coward. Five, has the common sense of a turnip. The assistant principal should have backed the teacher 100%. I mean, really, since when do we let students dictate what assignments or tests that they get? If I did this in my classroom, I can guarantee you my grading would be a lot, a lot lighter. Uh, they would draw pictures, talk to their friends, maybe, you know, uh, use the restroom a couple dozen times. All around, they would do nothing academic. Students are not teachers. They need guidance and structure. Are there times where we can give students agency? Sure, they don't get to choose those times, though. I don't see that they've spent hours upon hours upon hours after school doing lesson plans. They didn't bring those fucking lesson plans and put them on my desk so that I could use them to teach. No, I spent the time doing that. And out of respect for me, my time, and my effort, you're going to do the lesson and the assignments that I give you. The assistant principal further referred to, uh, well, the assistant principal that I'm going to further refer to as asinine parasite. If they insist on having the AP credentials, it's not going to stand for assistant principal. They are a asinine parasite. If they don't mind those AP letters, then let's just call them a dumbass. They should have marched the student into their office, set them straight, had them apologize to the teacher and the rest of the class, and then told them to do the given assignment. Then I would have personally given a an additional similar assignment that was due specifically to her that addresses the behavior or rather misbehavior that she had in class. Now, if they didn't have time to address this right then and there, which I understand because we don't let students dictate an adult's time or schedule, they should have parked that student's rear end in a chair in ISS until they had the time to deal with them. You don't let terrorists dictate what you do. We don't negotiate with terrorists. If little Susie wants to talk back to teachers, then little Susie can stay the hell out of the classroom until she can behave. Now, if you aren't a teacher and you're listening, just know that my, my frustration and anger isn't with just simply this one isolated incident because it's not isolated. It's very widespread. And I am convinced that the administrative world has far more asinine parasites in it than they do legitimate assistant principals. In my experience, admins are afraid of parents. They're afraid to hurt feelings other than the teachers that they are supposed to be supporting. And they're afraid to stand up for what is right. This parasite is just one example of many that are infecting our system. Now, I'm sure that this teacher is tough and resilient, and I hope that they found another career or another school building, be that public or private, that supports them. Someone, I hope, will see them someday and buy them a beer and say, hey, you're not alone and we appreciate you. It's because of students like this teacher had to deal with that 
the asinine because of asinine parasites like this and a system that sets us all up for failure that teachers are leaving the education world in swarms legislators are sitting with their thumbs and their lap twiddling them and they just can't understand why they can't fix this problem it starts with supporting teachers really supporting us not with empty promises of funds or, or this policy or that policy but let's start with purging these asinine parasites let's start by streamlining the process to remove these these students that are like little classroom terrorists and and let's start by just in general respecting us as educators as you would any other professionals in the world all right i'm gonna move on and we're gonna get into to my my thoughts on on a parent's role in education so from from miscommunications to differing expectations we as educators face challenges in establishing effective partnership with partnerships with parents there are many different types there are the overly involved helicopter parents who are eager to mis uh, to mismanage yeah that's true but to micromanage every aspect of their child's education and then there's the laid back ones who may appear to be disengaged there are the idiot parents that really just shouldn't be parents um that drips the absolute worst you know i i've heard um from family and law enforcement that they tend to deal with the bottom percentage of the population. You know, the, the garbage is clinging to the bottom of that trash can. Um, and by dealing with that percentage of the population so frequently, they, they can start to view the entirety of, of the rest of the population in that same lens. I'm going to propose that the same is true with teachers. You know, as a, as a parent, um, you don't have to be physically or, or verbally abusing your child. To be what I consider the scum of the parenting world, that garbage clinging to the bottom of the trash can. All you have to do is just not give a shit. I had a student years ago. We're going to call him Gordon. Why Gordon? Because I've never taught at Gordon. And that's saying something. It's really hard for teachers to find uh, names of, of, of that exist that they haven't had a student with, with said name. Um, I had that problem, and as many educators did when we were trying to think of names to name our own children. Um, so I've never taught a Gordon. And that's also saying something, because I taught a student whose name was Spider-Man. I kid you not, imagine having to use that name in class. Yes, Spider-Man, you may use the bathroom. Take the pass, straight there, and straight back. Spider-Man, listen, this is a test. Keep your eyes on your own paper. All right, class, does anyone know what the factors of 12 are? Anyone? Uh, yeah, thanks for raising your hand, Spider-Man. Seriously, a drink of water in, in the middle of my lesson? Do you think this is the best time? Tell you what, you tell me the factors of 12 and you can go. What's a factor? Were you absent the last two days? No. You weren't off rescuing Mary Jane from the Green Goblin. Aunt May didn't need you to change a light bulb or anything like that. No? Then you should know what a fucking factor is. Give me a second class. Alright. Who can tell me what the factors of 12 are? Jesus Christ. Spider-Man, we just established that you didn't even know what a factor is. 
and you're raising your hand again. All right, all right. Moving on. So, so I had this kid, Gordon, and Gordon was always tired. Always. It was like he was part raccoon, judging by the bags under his eyes. He was also very honest. So when I asked Gordon, Hey, Gordon, why are you always so tired? He didn't try to develop some elaborate cover-up story about homework that his dog ate or his 23rd grandparent passing away. He told me the truth, and I was a bit taken aback. He said, I stay up most of the night playing video games. What do you mean by most of the night? Well, I, I usually try to go up better, to bed around 4.30. Keep in mind that the kid has to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to get to school. Well, conferences are just a few days away, so I make a note to discuss that, and, and then I approach the previous year's teachers to, to gather some information. Yep, this is a known issue. I approach the administration. Yep, this is a known issue, and they are working with the family. Yep, the kid is staying up all night, conquering the world, killing Nazis, gathering Super Bowl rings like a champ. The problem was that the kid was, was naturally intelligent, so his grades were still above average, and all those gaps in learning hadn't quite caught up to him yet. But if the kid slept and was this successful, my mind went to the fact of what would he be able to accomplish if he was getting a full night's sleep? Conferences arrive. I'm somewhere around 24 conferences of 30 in. Now, why 30, you might ask? Well, that's easy. I have 28 kids in my class, and a couple of them have parents that aren't together, and for some reason, they just can't be in the same room with each other. Now, that wasn't a problem not too long ago when they were, you know, conceiving their child and bringing them into existence, but whatever. At this point, my mind is on autopilot. Words are tumbling from my mouth that I've repeated enough that I can mentally check out. It's all a haze. I walk the parents out, wish them a good night, and start shifting papers to prepare for the next one that is scheduled to start in about two minutes. Two minutes passes, then three, then four, five, six, seven, ten. Keep in mind these are 15 to 20 minute conferences. Finally, they arrive. Good evening, Gordon's mom. It's so nice to see you. Please have a seat. We have a lot to cover, and we're only about 10 minutes to do so. Oh, really? No, no, your scheduled conference time started 10 minutes ago. Well, that's, that's okay, though. I will go over the highlights, and I'll send you home with some copies of the paperwork, and if you have any questions after reading through it, just reach out to me. Oh, well, mm -hmm. really? So Gordon couldn't be here because he's he's playing games... Yeah, well, that's an excellent transition to a concern I have. What? Ma'am, ma could we please stay on Gordon? Yeah, I'm sure your younger son, Charlie, is a good kid, but we really, really need to focus on Gordon. No, no, his grades. Yeah, yeah, his grades are actually pretty good. I think they could be better, um, but he is proficient in, in almost every subject. My concern lies primarily with homework completion, as well as his sleeping habits. He isn't completing his homework a vast majority of the time. And he falls asleep multiple times throughout the day. You're surprised. Well, I, I know that it was brought up last year in conferences. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Yep, I know. Life is a blur. And man, they just grow up so fast. He tells me that he doesn't go to bed till about 4.30 or later on school nights. No. No, not, not p.m. a.m. 
oh, you knew this. You, you saw him up when, when you wake up in the middle of the night to use the restroom. Well, what's he doing when you wake up to do that? He's, he's, he's playing games. Are the electronics in his room? They are. Oh, well, have, have you ever considered removing them? You can't. Well, actually, ma'am, as a parent, you can. You could even make it super easy on yourself and, and just take out the power cord and the controllers. He, he needs those. Well, developmentally, ma'am, kids his age need sleep. And they need to sleep more than one to three hours a night. So I would suggest that he definitely needs sleep more than, than he does this entertainment. What would I do if it was my child? Well, I would remove all those electronic devices until his sleep schedule resembled something other than a zombie. And then I would slowly reintroduce them with very structured times and expectations. Oh, you just can't. Well, that's unfortunate as Gordon really has a lot of potential, but because he is semi-catatonic during the day, he isn't fully achieving what he is capable of. No, if you don't want to take those out, you could just turn off the breaker to his room, as long as you're going to get up and wake him up for school. No. Oh, it's it's too hard to wake up and, and then wake him up. I see. Yeah, you know, adulting is difficult. But you do have a son to think about. You'll talk to him. Uh, okay, so what if he doesn't listen to you? Then you'll you'll talk to him again. I see. Well, that's all the time we have for conferences. Thanks for being a shitty parent and an all-around selfish, shitty person. Bye, have a good night. No, seriously, that was a fairly accurate portrayal of that conference, minus the vulgarity and, and smart-ass comments. Uh, as a kid, I got 20 to 30 minutes of video games on Saturdays only. That was it. Mom would set an egg timer, set it on top of the TV in front of us, and when that egg timer dinged, my ass was off the TV and outside playing. I'm not sure when video games crossed from being a wanted, enjoyable hobby into a sleep-replacing need. But I am getting older, so maybe the science has changed a bit. You know, come to think of it, my mother once hid the power cord and the remotes when my chores weren't getting done. I should probably let her know that she was depriving me of a need. And because of that, I've had some really serious long-term issues. Like, you know, the ability to read, having somewhat healthy sleep habits, and knowing how to interact with people. Okay, so I'm, I'm still working on the last two, but I definitely can read. Now, studies show that the single biggest factor that impacts a child's education is parental involvement. You have to be involved in your child's education if you want them to be successful. Full stop. You, as the parent, have to be the role model. You have to instill the importance of school. We as teachers can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. You have to create a home environment that encourages learning. That means daily reading. Period. I don't care if you enjoy it or not. One of the worst things that a child can hear is, Oh, I never enjoyed reading as a kid. Or, I wasn't a good student either. This isn't about you. Fake it. It also means helping with homework. Yes, even if your child says, No, Mom, no, Dad, it's okay, I understand it. Verify that they understand it. The process of helping is more important and the end result of said help. They need to see you're involved. 
They need to see that you care. You, as the parent, have to communicate high yet reasonable expectations for achievement. This means you take what we say as teachers and what their capability is based on our, our experiences with them, on testing that we do, and then you hold them accountable to that capability. Now, personally, I'm not huge into extrinsic motivation. So think about that, you know, earning a certain dollar amount per A on the report card. But whatever system that you want to utilize is up to you. Your child just needs to know what you expect of them, and then they need you to hold them to it. This doesn't mean that you demand perfection or straight A's. If your child is like the majority of students and they work hard and they get C's, B's, then set that as the benchmark. And anything higher is icing on the cake. And don't be afraid to reevaluate these expectations. Things get harder as students progress in their education and as they get older. Now, hopefully students are improving simultaneously, but these expectations can be fluid as long as they are based in reality and they're challenging for the student. Don't make it easy. Bring in your student when you develop these expectations. They can be a part of the team and feel like they are invested. You, as the parent, have to stay involved in your child's education at school. So that means you email the teacher when needed. Don't flood us with emails on a daily basis about every minute little detail of, of the kid's life. We do have very limited time to use the restroom, let alone respond to a, a bombardment of emails. Read, read classroom newsletters. Most of your emails that you would bombard us with will be answered if you did this. Check their planners, check their reading logs, and any other communication methods that are utilized by the school and teacher. You can't simply send your kid to school and clock out. It isn't my job to raise your child. I have them for part of the day for one year. You have them the rest of your life or theirs. Make the investment. Volunteer in the classroom if you're able to. Trust me, that's a big one. I'm doing my best for your student in the classroom, that doesn't mean that it is all fun, nor does it mean it's all rainbows and butterflies. Part of my job is holding kids accountable to rules and expectations. It's not always enjoyable, but in the long run, it is what is good for them. According to, to one study I was looking at, 80% of the variation in public school performance results from family influences, not the teachers. You are super, super important for the trajectory of your child's life. This doesn't mean you have to do it alone. The great news is that we can support each other. To do this, we just need a few guiding principles. One, don't, don't take feedback personally. If I contact you to say something, it's not a personal attack. It's because I have a piece of information or a thought that I think would benefit your child. Hear me out. Let's work together. If you don't agree with me, Great, tell me why. But let's respect each other enough to have that dialogue. Two, keep in mind that nobody is perfect. And this includes your student, me, and you. Three, stay calm. Heightened emotions are normal when you're discussing a child's education, both from a parenting point of view and from an educator's. And four, focus on solutions, not on the blame. 
There's enough blame to go around. Let's focus on how we move on and how we fix things. Like every educator, I've dealt with many different types of parents over the years. Authoritative, authoritarian, permissive, uninvolved, helicopter, and almost every possible conglomeration of those. Early in my career, I'd say that I felt fairly supported by parents, regardless of parenting style. Now, over the years, that has changed. I have come to dread dealing with parents, not because of, of fear or insecurity or not knowing how to handle a situation I find myself in. No, I, I dread it because it is so damn draining having to convince them that their kid isn't perfect and is probably lying to them. Hey, Haley's mom, this is Mr. Kyrus, your, your daughter's teacher. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks for asking. Yeah, time sure is flying. It'll be summer before we know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling today to discuss an incident that happened at school. Nobody was hurt, but Haley did violate our class code of conduct with regards to academic integrity. How, yeah, during, during a math test, she was caught passing notes in an attempt to give her friendly answers to a few of the difficult questions. And, you know, I know that you want the best for your daughter, and, and I do as well. And to help with that, I've met with the students involved and come up with a plan for moving forward. And I wanted to, to pull you in so that she knows that we're a team. The students that were involved, all of them, are receiving a failing grade on the test. But with the completion of an essay on the importance of integrity, they are able to earn a retake that will take place during their recess time. No, ma'am, I'm not able to discuss the other students, but it would be a great topic of conversation for you to have with Haley when she gets off the bus. Yes, I'm, I'm absolutely positive that she was passing notes as I watched her do it. No, I didn't mistake her for another student. Yes, ma'am, they, they were the answers to the test questions. I'm looking at the note right now. No, ma'am, I'm, I'm not an expert in handwriting forensics. But I do grade my students' work an awful lot, and I'm very familiar with their handwriting. Yes, and, and ma'am, I, I also watched her pencil move as she wrote the note. Then I watched her fold it into a nice triangle with very crisp lines. And then I watched as she passed it, oh, so discreetly, over the top of her head to her friend that sits right behind her. No, ma'am, I don't have video evidence to back up my claim because it, it isn't a claim. I literally watched it happen. No, ma'am, I, I can't just give her a good grade. I can only give her the grade she earned, and she earned an F due to cheating. No, ma'am, I, I don't have the time to retest during class time. I have a full year's worth of curriculum to cover. The time I had dedicated towards the test happened today, so the retake will have to be during her time. I feel like this is a valuable lesson for your daughter. I am willing to allow her to come to school a few minutes early, if you would prefer, so it's still during her time, but not necessarily during recess. Yep, I, I understand that it would be inconvenient to change your morning routine, which would also be a great thing to discuss with Haley when, when she gets home. I understand that she was just trying to help a friend, and I'm very glad that she's empathetic, but it, it still doesn't excuse the choice to cheat. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I... I actually do um, have documentation from other students who also saw the whole thing. I had them write it down on a piece of paper before I dismissed them. No, ma'am, I, I can't let you cross-examine them. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm, I'm really sorry that you feel like I'm picking on your daughter. I assure you that I have dealt with every student who has made this choice in a very similar fashion. Well, ma'am, ma'am, this, whoa, this really isn't productive. I really think we should focus on how we can coach your daughter through this and help her to make better decisions in the future. I'm a what? Hello? Hello? All right, moral of the story. Parents trust their children over their children's teacher. Little Haley can do absolutely no wrong and woe be the person who accuses them of it. But newsflash, your child can be the apple of your eye and imperfect simultaneously. These are not mutually exclusive. And how do I know this? I was a kid once. So are you. Think back. Are you telling me you never did something and immediately went, oh shit, mom is going to kill me, and then tried to lie your way out of it? Yeah. All right, Mother Teresa. I see kids do it all the time in student-led conferences. The stories that they can come up with to explain away documented misbehaviors would serve them well as an author or screenwriter. So you know what? Let's, might you help me get them to learn to read and write, and we can both pat ourselves on the back later for helping them get a good job in the entertainment industry? I love my kids. But do I think those little gremlins are always 100% honest with me? Fuck no. When their teacher contacts me, I listen, and I trust the adult who has an adult perspective on the issue. I then talk to my child, who has a child's perspective. I dig into it, walk through it with them, and then I decide on a consequence, because when push comes to shove, I know that a teacher wouldn't call me with a fabricated issue. We are just too damn busy for that. Why the hell would I call you to let you know about something that I made up? Ultimately, I have the student for a year, and it's actually easier for me to just let shit slide than deal with it. I don't do that because I actually want your kids to develop into good humans, or at least semi-decent ones. So maybe, just trust me when I call you with a concern, and then work with me to deal with it. My job will be easier, and ultimately, your job as a parent will be as well. Maybe not in that moment. But in the long run, I can guarantee you it will be easier. It all starts, this whole journey of helping our kids succeed starts with having expectations and holding firm to them. If you are a permissive parent, then it's time to take some notes from a more authoritative approach. I have seen so many kids who think rules and expectations don't apply to them because their permissive parents got lazy. Maybe it's okay to have a few less guidelines and rules when your children uh, are young or whatever, you know, at home, do what you want to do. But your children absolutely need at least a few main ones. If you are an uninvolved parent, you are a fucking moron. Seriously, grow the fuck up and be a parent. Your child is yours to raise. They are your responsibility, not mine. I am here to help with their education, but nothing more. So do your damn job. Real-world example, if you want one. And we've probably all heard this. Dr. Ben Carson. It's a name that is fairly well-known. Now let's immediately just remove politics out of the equation. And let's instead look at the way he was raised, where he came from, and what he worked to accomplish. His tale is one that illustrates just how impactful a parent can be when they are engaged with their child's education. Now he was raised with his brother by a single mom, who divorced an alcoholic father. His mother had to work 
two to three jobs at a time to make ends meet. Yet, during all of that, she still set strict expectations and made time to be involved. They had to do their homework. And not only did they have to do it, they had to take pride in it. They had to spend time each day studying, even if they didn't have homework. She demanded that they did their best on all their schoolwork. She monitored their academics and ensured that they prioritized academics over anything else. Yes, including sports. Dr. Ben Carson became one of the leading pediatric neurosurgeons in the country. He came from extreme poverty and made something of himself because of his mother's engagement. With that as an example, it is really hard for me to sit and listen to parents who don't work tell me that they just don't have the time to help their students. And, you know, they just really shouldn't even have homework. Shut up. You're lazy. Now, while I think uninvolved parents are the worst, there are times when helicopter parents try to knock them out of that top spot. These parents monitor everything. It wouldn't surprise me if... Oh, Lord. It wouldn't surprise me if some of them kept a log of their kids' bowel movements. I'm not kidding about that. I can think of one parent in the last few years that I'm pretty sure did. I can just see it now. Hey, Jimmy, did you have a BM at 613 or 614? Okay, what was the duration and how would you describe it? Oh, 30 seconds longer than the last? Well, here's your probiotic yogurt. Gotta make sure your digestive health is in tip-top shape, dear. <laughs> I know, I'm joking. It, it, I hope. You know, we have a project in, in my building that we assigned for students to complete at home with their parents. And it's meant to be a fun way for parents to engage with, with their child's learning and just provide an opportunity for them to bond and do something together. There's a judge that comes through and, and picks a few to celebrate. They get a certificate, things like that. And it's always neat to see what the kids come up with. We give a handout out at the beginning to everyone that kind of outlines the expectations, and gives some creative ideas to help get them started. Students get up when it's all done and they share a little bit about their project. And it, it's pretty fun. It's very well received. Um, the kids tend to enjoy it. Most, most kids love to use things like popsicle sticks and Legos, cardboard, paint, and other just random stuff that they have lying around to build it. Um, some might go to a local craft store to buy a few, you know, enhancements. But usually you can tell that the kids took the lead on the project. There are others that create a project that you can just absolutely tell that parents took the lead. They craft a, a damned Sistine Chapel complete with Michelangelo's The Creation of Adam. Not, not a printed picture of it that they glue onto the ceiling either. They hand paint it with uncanny likeness. And fate would have it that a, an entry just like this was created and entered... And the judges absolutely loved it. it. It won an award. You know, you might be thinking, oh, it's amazing. Um, 
This prodigious crafter utilized her insanely advanced skills to showcase her learning, but, you know, yay for art. But just hold on a second, because I want you to, to hear the way her presentation went. Here we go. I'm going to do my best to be a student now. <clears throat> so, um, I made the, um, what's this called? The Sistine Chapel. Yeah, so I made the Sistine Chapel. Actually, my my mom made the Sistine Chapel, and um, yeah, that's my presentation. Thanks. I kid you not, but it gets even better. The next day, her parent makes a special trip in to see the winning project, and spends fifteen minutes in the morning surrounded by teachers in the hallway that are out and about bragging about how she just couldn't watch her daughter try to make the project. So she pushed her out of the way and just did it. She's so proud of herself and her daughter for winning. She meant it. It wasn't a deadpan comedy act. It was a genuine statement of pride. Now, what did this student learn? N not a damn thing. Well, maybe that her mom was very crafty and had a future in creating model train scenery, but other than that, not a damn thing. Her parents were so terrified that she wouldn't win that they stole her attempt to do so. They were so afraid of failure that they hamstringed ham, hamstrung, whatever they they ruined her chance to win. Is it possible that her daughter would have won without her? Possibly. Was it possible that she would have lost? Sure. But failure builds character. Small failures are, are learning opportunities. Students learn how to deal with setbacks. They learn how to process negative emotions. They are given practice on reflecting on the experience and then pulling out lessons for self-improvement. Helicopter parents are just thieves that are stealing growth opportunities from their kids in some misguided attempt to relive their own childhoods. It's absolutely ridiculous. One of the hardest parts of my job is trying to guide parents to set boundaries for their kids, to establish bedtime routines, to convince them that they should emphasize educational for athletics, that they should foster a positive view of reading and learning, to not neglect their children. But it's also to convince them to let them fail. So please, parents, trust me. Work with me. Know that I have your students' best interest at heart. Let them fail. But be there to guide them through it. Be there to celebrate their successes. But make sure that those successes are truly theirs. Help them to develop a positive view of learning and a work ethic that will serve them well the rest of their life. Because no matter what parenting style you feel is best, we, we can all work together to make them the best humans they can be. Except for uninvolved and helicopter parents, you all need to do some serious soul searching and stop being stupid. Anyway, all right, I'll move on from parenting. I hope I haven't alienated, alienated too many of you. Um, but I, I promised an update. And, and so that the whole training thing from last episode, it's been resolved. And the district basically said, thanks for presenting viable, thoughtful, and realistic solutions. But go ahead and just tell the state you want to quit. That was it.
There was no, yeah, sure, you know, we'll work with you and figure this out. We want you to be improved educators and, and have a, a depth of knowledge to pull from so you can help our students become better readers. No, it was just, well, quit. I'm convinced that our district was just playing politics. I can't prove it. It's just a gut feeling. As far as I'm aware of, everyone, or at least almost everyone that was signed up to take that training, sent the state an email saying, hey, we're not willing to work for free for one and a half weeks. And that was the end of it. Well, I guess it's the end of it, at least until the next abusive training opportunity comes along. We will all return to our side hustles. We'll pick up a few more hours away from our families and, and just keep moving forward. By the end of this week, I was completely drained. Empty. All I wanted to do was sign a resignation letter. But as I was preparing for this podcast, a small student interaction popped into my mind. We'd been studying fractions the last couple of weeks, and specifically we're working on comparing fractions with like and unlike denominators. We teach a variety of strategies for comparing them, using benchmarks uh, and both common denominators and numerators. During a small group session, I, I had just finished running through an example of how to find and use a common numerator to compare fractions, and then I, I gave a student a problem to attempt independently while I was monitoring them. As they solved it, I saw their eyes literally light up, and a smile tugged at their lips as that aha moment came. They solved it. And not only did they solve it, they got it correct. No, this wasn't the first attempt at a problem independently. They failed. They failed several times. And each time I let them fail, and then I reflected on what they did with them and guided them through their error. They got it correct finally. I gave them a high five, and I called the next group up. Now, that was a small moment, but it wasn't an important one. The next day, as I, as I called that group back up to just recheck their understanding, make sure that they had carried over from day to day, I had them do a similar problem. The normally fairly shy and reserved student from yesterday looked up from the problem and said, Oh, good! I'm really good at these problems. Then they got right to work, and they got it right. A smile definitely tugged at my lips at that point. So I guess uh, I guess I won't resign just yet. I'll hold out and, and hope that these moments will increase in frequency and the borderline abusive workplace many teachers find themselves in improves. Today we've we've shined a spotlight on the challenges of, of undermined authority from administrators and the spectrum of parental involvement in their children's education. Despite frustrations with the system, we can be the catalyst for positive change through collaboration and a shared commitment to nurturing students' growth and success. If you'd like to submit a topic for the podcast um, or show your support with a kind comment or, or vent a rant of your own, feel free to email me at david at davidkyrus.com. So it's david at davidkyrus, C-A-E-R-U-S dot com. If you are feeling really generous and want to help me grow this program, consider supporting me on Patreon. Just search for David Kyrus, C-A-E-R-U-S. Membership options are as low as $3 a month for the Coffee a Month Club, 
I could always use more coffee. But I implore you to be part of the change. Share your thoughts, engage in conversations about education, and most importantly, champion the cause of fair compensation and support for our educators. Let's break free from the constraints of outdated policies and embark on a journey to redefine education, one conversation at a time. Here's to a week with fewer meetings about meetings, an abundance of breakthrough moments in your classrooms, and the magical disappearance of administrative paperwork. Until the next policy change, this is Edurant, a refuge of educational sanity in the bureaucratic wilderness. Keep your grading swift and your coffee strong. Class dismissed. Excuse me, Mr. Teacher. Hey, kiddo. Did you forget something? What can I help you with? Thank you. You are so welcome.